Grab your Bibles, if you would. We are going through the book of John. And today we'll pick up John, not first John, but John chapter 1, okay? John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And we're going very quickly through this. So. And while, while you're turning there, um, where we were, and we were talking about this on Sunday night, going a little deeper into that, but one of the things that really sticks out so far that John is saying, I mean, there's lots of stuff about Jesus, but this idea that he came into the world to bring light, because darkness had kind of prevailed, and, and so really, in terms of 2022 Prescott Valley English, there's just a lot of confusion, right? Lots of things you don't see clearly, it's hard to understand, and, and some of it is, is because... Uh, our minds are small, and God is so great. And other parts of it is, is the fact that there's just, it says that the God of this world, right, Satan and all the darkness, is, is trying to deceive us and blind us from the truth. And so Jesus had to come and say, whether you like it or not, I'm sorry, this is what's true, and it's one of the things he came to do. And so when Jesus came into the world, he brought the light into the world, and it shined on all the world systems, you know, it shined on the way we did relationships. It shined on how we handled money. It shined on the governments and military powers of the time. It, it, his light shined on the religion and the religious practices. And really, he took, you know, he didn't give anyone a break, honestly, right? If anyone got a break, maybe it was those brokenhearted and downtrodden. But even them, he, he called them to do differently, to get forgiveness, but do differently. And so there's a challenge that comes. He didn't come into the world to join us in our parade, but he came in to speak truth, and it was a little disruptive. So John 1, 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, I, I would assume if, if you've been in Bible study, Sunday school, church services, you guys heard this one? Like so much, you just say it out of the top of your head and you don't, you just keep going. Uh, let, let's just stop a second, Lord. I ask that you would just shine your light on this. Uh, why, why talk? Why come on a Sunday if you're not going to teach us and we're not going to learn and we're not going to grow and be challenged and encouraged all at the same time. So Jesus, have your way. Speak to us through this scripture today. Uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak it to the, your spirit that lives in us, that we might take it with us as a treasure throughout the week. Please, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. So no tricks, man. I, gosh, why, why talk to you if it's not going to make a difference for me? I mean, I, I, I'm preaching to myself, so I'm hoping somebody else needs to hear this too, okay? But let's, let's stop here a second. And the word. Sometimes, sometimes the words are important, right? So the word, what's... There's some notes here, but what does that mean, word? What do you think? What is it? Jesus, okay. What else? The expressed image of God. Anything else? What do we think about? There's not really a wrong answer, okay? I want to know, know when you read that what's, what's coming to mind. Someone said something else? Power of creation or powerful creation? Power of creation. Truth. Communication. Yeah. 
The entire Old Testament. Yeah. Right? What's that? The Word of God. The Word is God. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. Right? Yeah. 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 No, it's, right? Yeah, because, I mean, really, the, the Logos word, right? Um, fascinating enough, you know, you think about it, and, and that word, it, we've done that. We've taken the scriptures, and we've, we've rightfully so called them the word of God. But I think the, the thing that's, that you have to remember is at the time that John has this, you didn't have the whole New Testament written down. I mean, you might have had some letter, you know, there might have been some writings, but you had all the laws and the prophets, right? And in the stories of the nation of Israel. So the stuff that we've compiled into the, the Old Testament, you had some of that. But ultimately, this is a written record of what God had spoken. So it could adequately be called the word, because the word logos has to do with the, quite literally, the, the spoken word. But the application of it, especially in that culture, is kind of what you're saying. It's this expression. It's, it's this idea of... Um, the, the thoughts, ideas, and perspectives of the divine being. And if you wanted to deny God, they had all sorts of creative ways to try to deny this God, right? Or, or give him a different name. But ultimately, this, this word, this idea of, of creation and God existed. And so, yes, it's Jesus. Yes, it's God's spoken word. Yes, it's the expression of God. It's like, what's God like? I'll show you. That's Jesus, right? We can't forget that. What's God like? I'll show you. And, and even when they walk with Jesus, so when are we going to meet the Father? And he says, if you've been with me, you've been with the Father. You remember reading that? Okay. So the Word became flesh. Okay, well, tell me there's some cool Greek translation to this that really makes it a whole lot more easy to understand. Well, honestly, I mean... Yeah. Became human. Well, you're absolutely right, man. That word there, that flesh, actually, you know, it can mean um, symbolically kind of the, the battle of your body. But in a literal sense, it does mean your flesh, your body. So exactly what you're saying, Lowell. God himself took on the physical human form. Anyone just feel hungry sometimes? You ever get cold? What about too hot? Grumpy? Super excited? Right? Like lonely? Scared? Scared? Yeah, right? There's all, I mean, with that, God himself submitted himself to all biology, all hormone, all chemical reaction, all physical stimulus on your flesh, the cold, the heat, the hunger, all the desires. Like, he, he put himself in harm's way. God came down. Why, why did he do that? What's that? To die for us. Why did he do that? He wanted us to know him. What, what else did you say? So he could share in the suffering. What's that? He loved us. Yeah. As an example. It's like, Will, are you trying to get me to answer this because you didn't prepare your sermon? No, that's, that's not it. The, I really believe, like, 
Forget how you're supposed to do this, but ultimately, if we're not preaching to ourselves, you will never change, and I can holler at you all day. So all those things you said are absolutely right. Like, oh man, his love for us. Like, I think about that in Father's Day. And, and so, you know, in my family, we, we all have kids young enough that I got to know my grandpa for 24 years, my dad's dad. My mom's dad is still alive, right? And I'm 43. Like, that doesn't happen that often. So I got to see father in that way. And then my dad, I've got to see father in his way. Now, I've been a father for almost 19 years. And so now on the good days for all of them, including me, what I've done is I've loved them so much that they were more important than me. And they loved me so much that I was more important than them. And they put themselves out, as I would say it, for my benefit, and so the perfect and most excellent father is like, I'll go there for you, son. And all you dads know what I'm talking about, right? When you're in your good days and you do that, you give yourself up and you know it's right, even if you're tired. And that's what our heavenly father did, man. He's like, I love you so much. I'm going to make a plan. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, really, that should be enough of a sermon right there. It really should. But then you guys would be like, well, that was really short and boring. So what, right? No, but really, that should be enough for us to go and talk about all day long. Like, wow, man, to be loved that much. But I won't stop there. I'll keep going. Uh, Because some of the cool things God was just really showing. So the next word here that I underlined is dwelt. And the word here, oddly enough, if you look at that word in the New Testament, what it really means is to like, to fix one's tent or, or to, you know, to pitch the tent, right? I didn't use those phrases, but that's what I wrote down, to fix one's tent. Um, and in the New Testament, it was used in this John scripture and then tons in Revelation when, when God makes home with us, Right? Like when Jesus rules and he's back, like it's used in those terms. So this idea, oddly enough, in John is like understand what Jesus did is he came here and he set up his tent. He, he came here to, to live, to abide, to be present among us. And I underlined us so that you don't think you're excluded. Here, repeat that. I'm in the us. Say that. I'm in the us. Okay? I'm in the us. You, you don't, this applies to you. Okay? Now, well, wait a second. Well, I wasn't alive when Jesus walked the earth. Okay. We're going to get to that. But it applies to you. Now, when, when Brandy's been preparing to teach, she's been talking about some of this. They were, she was studying through Exodus. And so we've been talking about this at my house. And this cool thing happened. You guys remember Moses? What do we know about Moses, just briefly? He gave the laws, right? God had him go into Egypt, take all of them out, wander through the wilderness for 40 years, get them to the promised land, but not go in. Okay. So Moses had a really great relationship with God, even though he wasn't perfect. And in Exodus 30, 33, it talks a little bit about in there, but they had this place. You remember reading about this called the Tent of Meeting? And, and what's significant about it is 
There was a tent of meeting and it was set apart because it was a holy place where God was staying. It was set apart from where everyone was living, all the people. And Moses would go there to meet with God. And it says in Exodus that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And he would go there. And from what I remember, I'm talking off the top of my head, but, but Joshua, this is fascinating too. So Joshua, who took them into the promised land, he was like Moses' right-hand man. And he would go over there and then the clouds would come, right? And he'd go meet with, with the Lord and they would have their conversations as friends would and all the people would worship when they were in their good place. Well, why, why do you bring that up? That... And later on, right, they, they, erect, they erected the tabernacle, this portable temple where God would live in the Holy of Holies. And, and it was where you would go when you wanted to be God's friend, basically, right? But, but you couldn't because of sin. But, but somehow in his faithfulness, Moses was able to. And that's why this could be so revolutionary to even the way that we think, because we just assume it. We come to the church and maybe we talk like it's a holy place, but it's just not. I always say, come by sometime and like look at it. It's just a warehouse building. It's like, I don't know, right? Cockroaches, all this stuff. It's not a holy place. But, but Jesus came. God took the flesh form. Why? One of the reasons why. Yeah, all this is true, but he set up his dwelling here. And when he set up his dwelling, here's what's fascinating. He didn't build a temple. He didn't have us erect a tent, a tabernacle. He didn't really do it in Rome. He didn't do it in any churches, no matter what size. He didn't do it in some Zen garden somewhere. He died. He died. Like physically, he died. freed us from all the junk that happened before. And then he, he was resurrected into a new body and then he took his place on the throne. But before he did that, after he resurrected, he told all the people, I know you're thinking I'm going to set up some kind of temple or castle, like a tent, right? Because I've come to dwell among you, but I didn't do that. What I'm going to do instead is when I go to the Father... He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the mystery that happens is now you become the tent of meetings. Crazy, right? And now this is what you'll, if, if you're actually taking it seriously and considering it, this is what you'll consider. What does that look like? from now till you die, right? Okay, because trying to figure out how that is to be such a mess as I am, but to be the tent of meetings where God himself can dwell. So then John goes on to say, right, in a quite, quite a literal way, in a present way, because they were walking with Jesus, he goes on to give testimony here. And he says, and we saw his, who's his? Right, G Jesus, they saw the glory of God through Jesus. We saw his Glory, glory as the only begotten. And that, mean, that word means like the single of its kind, the one and only. Like he was different than everyone else. We saw his glory and his glory came from the, what is the word? Father. 
And then it throws this thing full of grace and truth. Let me go back to that. Let's stop a second. Consider this. How, how, did, how did they observe the glory of God in Jesus? Well, one of the ways is they noticed this guy had an uncanny way, like, to be full, like, of grace and of truth. What do you think, what does grace mean to you? Huh? Yeah, what, what were you going to say? I think you were kidding. Design, divine assistance. Divine assistance, yeah. Yes. What were you going to say, Chris? Did you say Oh, can you say that again? I'm sorry, Lila. An understanding of our frailness. Yeah, right? It's like this. Anyone else? What is it? Provision. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, God's provision, his acceptance, his joy, his gift, his blessing, his favor, right? His choosing and all of it doesn't have to do because it's grace because you didn't earn it. He gives it to you because of who he is, not because of who you are. So grace kind of looks like, wow, I was treated better than I deserve. I was treated better than I deserve. Or I was treated in a really positive way and I really don't know why. That favor, that, that assistance, that blessing, that provision, that, that gift, Right? So Jesus was carrying himself like that. Like, wow, man, this guy just loved those who didn't deserve it. He, he had a way about him, right? Who's just like, wow. He knew me. He loved me. He chose me. He took care of me. And then on the other side, he was so full of truth. What is someone, if you think of somebody who's really full of truth, what do they, how do they act? What do they look like? They can be kind of arrogant sometimes, yeah, if done in a negative way. It's like, I know the right answer to give you all the time about everything. Like, truth, 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 truth. But the way that Jesus would say it is like, this is wrong, but I love you and you're forgiven, right? Truth, then grace, then back to truth. Don't do it again. You'll get in the same mess, right? Like, oh, yeah, you can kind of see that, right? The rich young ruler, he comes... Jesus has the grace to meet with them. The rich young ruler comes like, what do I got to do to be perfect? He's like, ah, arrogant. Okay, you want the truth? Like, give up everything. Like, you want to be perfect? Give up everything. Sell everything that you have and follow me. Whoa. Okay. But then truth had Jesus just let him walk away. It didn't say, okay, let's make a deal. I was just giving you a hard time. What about 65%, right? That's not how Jesus was like, no, you're not ready. Now is not the time. Truth. We'll get back to that. Let me go on to verse 15. John testified. Which John is this? John the Baptist. Yeah. Yeah, not John the the author of this, but the other John. Testified about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said who comes after me that has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. All right, lots of questions. Who are you, John? And he's like, I'm, I'm paving the way for, we talked about this, the one who's coming that existed before me. Verse 16, 
For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Steve's laughing back there. (laughs) What's that? Not just grace. Grace upon grace. Oh man, come on, tell me some like smart pointy head reason why that is. But you nailed it, Steve. It's got to be, if it's repeated, it's like, I really, really like you. Grace upon grace. Like, yes, yes. You want to go to talk? Yes, yes, right? Like, it's not just one. It's like, I really want to do this. Grace upon grace. For his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. So this is what, one thing I want to really present to you that I want you to consider also, this is going to be super important for the rest of the, what I'm speaking to you right now. And what I really want you to think about this week is you're, you're talking about this in your homes and with the people that you know. Okay. Now, of his fullness. Like, we don't think in terms of that. But do you understand? Part of the point of this is Jesus was just full and we aren't. Jesus was full, he was complete, he was whole, and we are not. And that's what's so amazing. That's how he was able to have grace and truth. But like we're always talking about here, this kind of reality, like because our ways aren't God's ways, that we want God to come into our camp and tell us, or to fit into our parameters, right? Like, tell me, Lord, because some of us exercise our faith with so much truth. Like, that becomes ultimately important. Truth, 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 truth. And the other, other group of us really want to lean on to grace, right? Like, totally grace. Like, just, just don't tell me no. Just love me, right? Yeah, like, I want the feeling and the emotion. Sing more, right? Talk less. Like, let's do this. But Jesus somehow is both of those at exactly the right time in a perfect blend. And then you and I are arguing because we want Jesus to get into whatever bag we can fit in, right? Like... I'm good at this truth thing, but the grace thing is hard. Or I'm really good at the grace thing, but don't make me do anything. Don't, don't, you know, don't tell me any truth. Have you felt that? Because what, what Jesus has that we don't is that fullness that comes from grace and truth. Let me go on. John 1. 17, for the law was given through Moses. You see that? Moses, he gave truth, right? God gave him truth. He provided to the people. What was, what was their conclusion once they tried to just walk in truth? What ended up happening? What was the revelation to the people of Israel? About, about them able to, to keep enough truth to get to heaven. Impossible. Is that what you said, impossible? Yeah. Yeah, when he just brought the truth, here's all the absolute truths. And then the people who were good at those are like, I can one-up it and make a career by adding new truths. So they wrote more books, and they're like, yeah, pretty soon you can't do this. I know God said this, but let me take it to a whole other level of, of impossible feats to, to overcome and to perform. And then he goes on to say, John goes on to say, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. 
So back to that. Of his fullness. It all has to do with grace and truth. And then what you, I want to tell you from Ephesians 4, okay? I know we can get into too many scriptures where your brain starts melting, but, but something for research later you can go back to. Ephesians 4, it says this. 4.13, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay? What it says before that is really important. Does anyone know what it says right before that? In Ephesians, that letter? What it's talking about is that Jesus gave to the church, right? He gave, he gave roles and responsibilities because the reality of it is this is how we're exercising this. This is the problem with just having faith and not, not uh, practicing it in community. Is Here is where we do our little, our little grace and truth dance. And we're always practicing, okay? So understand this. This is what Paul is trying to explain to the Christians in Ephesus. Like, understand this. Until we can actually unite our faith, right, which is coming from the grace of God. Yes, right, feel it. And the knowledge that's coming from the truth. Until we can all be united by both of those things and grow into the stature of mature sons and daughters of God and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. The goal of your life is this, fullness of Christ. Do you, do you see how backwards this can become? This is a constant thing I'm preaching to myself, my friends, is like this life is not about all that I can get out of it. A, a big part of this life is about what God is doing in and through me. And the whole point is, as I exercise this in community, in my family, and amongst the church family, and we're always wrestling, man, when do I provide truth, and when do I provide grace? And what do you need in that moment? And I'm always practicing, and so oftentimes, here's what you're going to do to each other. In your house and in the church, you're going to fail. You're going to hit them with truth when you should have offered grace. You're going to hide behind grace when you should have offered truth. The person you're going to do it to more than anyone else is yourself. You're going to feel disqualified when what God is offering you is grace. Did I lose you yet? That? See, the author of Romans told them, you got to understand, it's, it's God's kindness that leads, leads you to change the direction of your life. And so if all you do is preach truth to yourself, you won't see the kindness of God. And you won't come to him, the one who's not kind. You don't go to the dog park and the one foaming at the mouth yelling at you is the one you go pet. That's just not the way it works. It's the kind, pleasant looking one that you don't think is going to bite your arm off. But when you come to him, he will growl. He will tell you. He will reveal to you the way he's working in your life. But until we, we gain that and ultimately understand that, I know perfection is the finished work will be when we're in the presence of God, right? Like all, all the people in our, our fellowship, you know, you get like, you get Kit, right? Like went to be with the Lord. And now Derek and, and Mary, 
right? And Jim, over the last couple of years, like they know now it's completed. They went to the Lord and whatever gap was there in the fullness of Christ has been fulfilled. The, the work has been finished in them, right? Their, their time here is done. They've shed the flesh, but you and I are still here. God is still working us into mature man. And I don't know how far you're going to get. I don't know what you're going to miss out on because you refuse to submit to God and get there. You might leave a lot of really great blessings on the table because you wouldn't submit to God. But he will finish it. Colossians 2. I'm just going to read through it real quick. Uh, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord... So walk in him. Actually, I'm not going to do it quick. Forget that. Sorry, Corey. Corey doesn't care. Um, As you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord walk in him. Like, we want to go through John. We want to see what Jesus was doing and and what was saying and what he told the disciples because we're not walking with them. And we want to take that advice and those lessons. And here is something that I think is just really important, guys. I think as we walk forward, understand this. Just because you receive Jesus doesn't mean you're going to walk in him. That's a separate choice. Just because you said you received him doesn't mean automatically everything is done. There's work being done. Right? There's still work being done in you. You're not completed. There is something called sanctification. You're you're saved once and being saved over time. It's a really complicated churchy word kind of thing. But ultimately, we can't forget that. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. You catch that? Let me just say it in my simple language. Jesus is everything. He understands everything. He has every power. And I think if we were a people that could go back and say, this is what the Bible says and I'm choosing to believe it. Do you understand that Jesus has every power, every answer? He can stop any evil. I mean, honestly, right? You could almost go as far, maybe I'd go as far as to say no one's really a victim. Because no matter what evil is done to you, the testimony of the scripture is, no matter what evil's done to you, what wrong's done to you, what unfair and equitable act has been performed against you and your household, God can use it for good. Because ultimately, for those who believe, what's the worst they can do to us, Paul says? Kill us, right? Like, kill us. So we can go back home, right, with the Lord, right? Like, so if we went back to that, we would believe that Jesus had the fullness, okay? 
And like, and it goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of it. But, but here's what I want to say. Like, Jesus has earned the right, right? Through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He has earned the right to be Lord of your life. He has conquered sin and death. He has made it. So he has the ability to erase any wrong you've ever done or ever will do. Isn't that cool? What it, I mean, you can walk out of here right now with a completely clean slate. And please understand, Paul is very careful to say, well, does that mean you want to go on and keep doing the junk you were doing before you walked in here? By no means. Why would you do that? How was it working for you before? The answer is not very well. But here's the point of meditation, okay? Meditation, that's a weird word. Yeah, no, think about it. Dwell on it, right? Be diligent in thinking about it. Talk about it. Pray about it. It's this. If the word became flesh, if God came to earth and became a man, and here's what he did. He set up a place to meet with you, to live with you, to talk with you, to walk with you, to cry with you, to laugh with you. Okay, do you believe that? Do you guys in this column here believe that? Okay, okay. What about here? Okay, if you don't, it's okay if you're debating it. But if you believe it, we've got to go to this next, con- next conclusion. The question is then, how do we get to that tent? How do we get to that tent? And do we even go there to ask him what to do? Well, God, I have this relationship issue. Okay, did you ask him about it? Right? I love that. I have a wife that says that. Did you ask God about that? Right? Like, oh, man, no, I read a book about it or something, right? Or you ask your neighbor, even your well-intended dad. We can ask our dads, right? They're not God. I mean, where do we go? Where he tells us to go. No. Um, true, but not for this. So, if you were Moses, where would you have gone? Did you guys fall asleep? If you were Moses, where did you go? Tent of meetings. Okay. Where do you go now? Prayer. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a stupid religious answer, but it's absolutely the truth. Understand that. God, right? God, who, who all that to say, right? We could have skipped all those verses and stuff. Back to this. God came down from earth, took the human form so that he could set up his tent, his dwelling place amongst men and women so that he could live with them. And the reality of the way that we do that, it's kind of like a corner shop during the pandemic, right? No one's coming in and they're just sitting there. Jesus is in like the tent and no one's coming by. They're like down the shop trying to ask governments how to do it or, or pastors or speakers, right? Or scientists. Tell me somebody what to do. And God's like, yeah. Took on human form here. So that just like Moses, you could access my presence and to talk to with me. The tent is no longer a place you go. It's in you. And I know that's weird that we don't talk like that at the church I came from. I know. I know it's weird. 
But here's the testimony, okay? Here's the witness to one another. How in the world do you hear from God and how in the world do you talk to him? Let's get real practical. I'm taking a few extra minutes, but let's do something that actually helps. How do you guys meet with God, talk with God? Anyone? Some of you have been in faith longer than I've been alive. You got some ideas or have you not talked to him and you just asked your pastor? In a quiet place, okay? What do you do when you go in the quiet place? Hold on a second there. You talk to God. What? You don't have to have a certain script or something? You could just talk to oh, That's amazing, right? Yeah. No, but yes, exactly. The quiet place. What else? Oh, you're holding up a book. What kind of book is this over here? Oh, it's the Bible. It's the word of God, the written word down of God's written, or spoken words. Yeah, the Bible. There's so much truth in there. It's like the ten of meetings can be you and your Bible. The ten of meetings, the place where you go is like, Lord... I got to get quiet. And if I can't go to a quiet place, that I, I have to quiet everything going on in me. Where else? Talk to him all day long anywhere, right? Yeah. You have to believe. Believe what? Believe that he's going to meet you there. In fellowship. Yes. Because understand the process according to Ephesians. He's given us each other to help us along the way until he, he finishes us in fullness. But we become more full over time as we walk together. Right? But we've, we've gone away from that. We're walking out faith without our fellowship together and without the talking to God. Do you see it? I mean, there's so many things you can do. Like in that fellowship, you can see it, you know? You can just see. If you start to look, here's the amazing thing about it, is all of you are made in the image of God. And does that mean, oh, he's got a weird ear? Like, No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you, re, you reflect something about him. And actually, as Christians, as our minds are transforming, you can start to get to know people. And you're like, ah, I see your dad in you, Right? Like, I see your dad in you. When you do that, I see your dad. You should keep doing that because everyone around you is blessed when you do that, right? Or you're doing that because you think you're supposed to, but you don't look like your dad when you're doing that. Stop. You're wasting energy. Like, be who you are. Let me go back to this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to close with this. Let me go back to that verse 14. And here's, as they're going to play music, um, it gives you some time right now. And I hope it doesn't just happen right now. I hope this is something that you'll, you'll leave with, and that way it'll, it'll help us create a foundation going forward for each one of us as we try to follow Jesus and walk with him. Okay. But here's something that John was trying to show us. He was trying to help us understand. He's like, I saw him. I saw him do miraculous things. It's really true. But understand this. The fullness of God came to bring fullness to each one of us. And to do that, he took the form of a man. And it worked. Just like he knew it would. It worked. But Will, there's so much suffering in the world, yeah? 
Yeah. There is. There's so much beauty too, right? Because God's people, the light has come, even though the darkness is here. And in spite of all the suffering, we will be delivered from this. Some of us one by one, as our time here finishes, and, and others will all at once, right? According to what the scripture says. But that word of God, God's love, his power, his presence, his perfection took on imperfection. His, his comfort took on discomfort for you and I. And he set up his tent. He set up a home for him. So what if we practice this, like now? What if we, we take this time as they're playing quietly before they start singing and uh, just talk with them? If that's new to you, um, I'll go sit in the back. Let's, we can talk back there. Like honestly, we can kind of talk about that. If that's new to you, if, you, if you're a Christian and, and you've received Jesus as your Savior and you have the Holy Spirit, then you are His, His dwelling place. If you haven't, then that's available to you. So let's practice it now. Whatever it is, man, that you're bringing in here, take it to the Lord and ask him. Go like Moses would. Lord, these Israelites, right? But but Joey, he keeps... uh, And Susie's... And I'm just... uh, So let me just start. I'm going to open it up, then I'm going to go back there. Um, and then we'll just spend some time. Okay. Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us so much that you did what we'd never do, go into such harm's way. Lord, that you took on a form of a man to set up a home and to go through everything. So something I didn't mention so that you would understand what it is. You're not like a stuffy God who's like, oh man, I never got really tired. I never got grumpy. I never felt temptation of any sort. Like you felt that, but you overcame it. So we can talk to you. So Lord, just just speak to us. Transform our thinking so that we realize you're the first one to go to and not the last one. Transform my thinking. That I would just come to you with everything. Come to the place where I meet you. And Lord, I just, I don't want to say amen because it's going to keep going, Lord. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you just do your work and have your way in the men and women here. That you do the work and live the process through the Lord. I thank you, Jesus.